The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? to Cancelled Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted only one season or less. My name is William Bibiani. I'm a film critic for The Rap and Bloody Disgusting, and everybody calls me Bibbs. My name is Whitney Seibold. I'm a film critic for IGN and other venues here and there sometimes. Uh, and uh, this week is the end of a long series of episodes, which every single episode was decided by a Patreon poll. We have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network. Every month, our patrons get to pick one episode, and we decided to let you pick a whole bunch in a row because it was fun. And uh, <laughs> this particular episode was going to focus on an, uh, a short-lived television series from Amazon Prime, whatever it was. We had a lot yeah, of different yeah. options on here, a lot of different shows that we keep meaning to get to. We get a lot of requests for. But the one that you picked was a very serious dramatic production about the life and times of Mr. Jean-Claude Van Johnson. My name is Jean-Claude Van Damme. I used to be super famous. Jen, it's your favorite client. I'm back. JC! When I told you I was back, I did not mean JCVD. I meant... Johnson. This isn't a game. I send you out there before you're ready. People die. No one's going to die. I can take the pitfall from the devil. Except for all the people I'm going to kill. I'm the baddest man alive. Well, JC, good news. The mission and cover job are yours. But you're going up against bloodthirsty drug runners. Yeah, I hope you're ready. Action! Daddy's home. There's the new man of the house. Cut, cut. I'm so, so sorry, man. So, did you see JCVD? I did. It's a really good movie. JCVD. Um, JCVD was this rather weirdly brilliant little film where Jean-Claude Van Damme, the uh, the famous Belgian action superstar who was really hot for like a three-year period in the 90s. No, I think I think he was he was I guess considered starting with blood sports yeah. and uh, through maybe knockoff. That's when his star was definitely yeah. fading. He, he, they're uh, back in the age of the great so-called badass action heroes mm. at the upper echelon was Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm. Then the lower echelon, like just below them, was Steven Seagal, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Like yeah. those were like the next that, two down. That was that was the rank in terms yeah. of ultra-masculine super action hero cinema where 
the star actually informs the film more than the writing or the directing. Yeah, you write around your mm. star's persona, and in the case of Jean-Claude Van Damme, he had this very amiable quality to him. Like something, He always seems sort of well, happy I'll, to be here, so there's something that, like, I found him way more approachable as an action star than St- Seagal ever was. Seagal mm. was always steely and, and aloof. Yeah, Whereas Jean-Claude Van Damme was always the underdog in one some of, way. Uh, and one of the stipulations of a lot of these badass cinemas, the less, not so much with Stallone or Schwarzenegger, they were okay to play kind of horrible people. Mm-hmm. Watch Commando at some time, at some point. Well, I mean, there's or, horrible. He's he's the movie thinks he's in the right. He he's in the right, but he murders like a thousand people, and yeah. he's like uh, hucking rotary saw blades at people's <laughs> heads in that movie. Hey, they kidnapped uh, his daughter. That means it's okay for him to kill a thousand people. That that makes <laughs> that's morally justifies anything. Fine. That's that's, that's the Reagan think, years for you. I think when we came to Steven Seagal and Jean-Claude Van Damme, there was this notion that uh, they should be only perceived, their public persona should be that of a peerless hero. Mm-hmm. They should never be seen as like villains or murderers. Uh, um, that, that turned around for Jean-Claude Van Damme, especially when he got to like the Expendables movies. Well, also Jean-Claude Van Damme but, got his start playing smaller roles, and he did play a couple of villains early on. Mm. Uh, he was in this really ludicrous like Karate Kid knockoff film called No Retreat, No Surrender. I haven't seen that one. It's <laughs> hilarious. And he plays like the main bad guy the hero has to fight at the end. Mm-hmm. And he's he's a hoot. The movie is really, really funny. But it is pure camp. Like it is <laughs> nonsense. Like just look at the training montage of No Retreat, No Surrender and try not to giggle. Like it's really funny. But yeah, Jean-Claude Van Damme, uh, nicknamed The Muscles from Brussels because mm-hmm. he's Belgian. Uh, was, and it's a good rhyme. And it's a good rhyme. Uh, became famous for uh, his his martial arts skills. He was, uh, you know, in blood sport, which is you know more or less just a, an Enter the Dragon knockoff, but you know a fun one to watch. Uh, is Bolo Young the the bad guy in that yeah. one? Yeah, Bolo Young is the bad guy in Bloodsport. So, well, Bloodsport kicks ass. Bloodsport is Bloodsport's one of- really fun. John Claude Van Damme is is a. I'm not going to say a charming presence, but he is compelling. He does yeah. have a certain kind of screen presence that you do want to watch. Uh, very, very good looking, incredibly mm. athletic. They know how to shoot him in that mm. movie. Like, there's a lot of Jean-Claude Van Damme movies where you can tell that the director isn't super interested in the fight scenes, or maybe it was made on a budget and they couldn't go nuts with it. With Bloodsport, they knew that they're making a movie that entirely centered around an underground fighting tournament. Mm. So the fights took center stage. And although, you know, other there are better underground fighting tournament movies, Enter the Dragon, mm. Master of the Flying Guillotine, etc., Bloodsport still slaps. Bloodsport is a really good. Bloodsport, did I use that right? Bloodsport's pretty good. Bloodsport holds up pretty well. Thank you, young Parson. Um, <laughs> as as Jean Claude Van Damme, however, began to age out of those types of roles, uh, his denial didn't seem to stretch as far as that of, say, Steven Seagal mm. or uh, Schwarzenegger, who's still trying to live through it. Uh, Schwarzenegger at least has started taking like a little bit more uh, soulful roles. I didn't see that movie he was in where his daughter was turning into a zombie. Oh, Maggie! It's Maggie. Actually, it, he's yeah. actually really good in that. That's okay. a that's a it's a very depressing movie, but it's 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 good. Okay, yeah. Um, Steven Seagal, you can see some of his latter day ones. He's still trying to position himself as a badass, but they're doing things like using a lot of fight doubles or getting mm. him to fight in less spectacular ways. They're filming him differently because oh, they're hiding the fact that he can't fight as well as he I used think to. they're hiding the fact that he wasn't on set for a lot of those. Like, if you yeah. watch a lot of, like, the, the more recent Steven Seagal like straight-to-video straight movies, which is yeah. pretty much everything he does, 
Um, you can tell that like they're shooting around him as much as they possibly yeah. can. He feels like he's so, on set for maybe five days. But my point is, Steven Seagal is still in this state of extreme denial. I uh, think he's unironic. Um, yeah. He's doing everything now, he used to Jean-Claude do. Jean-Claude Van Damme, he stayed in shape. He's still an excellent fighter, mm-hmm. but... He did have to. He became very self aware of the fact that he can't fight at the same level he used to. Mm-hmm. And so uh, he agreed to make a movie called JCVD, which stands for Jean Claude Van Damme, which is about what happens when the aging action star is indeed aging out. And the opening scene of that is. I think it's one of the most exquisite things Jean Claude Van Damme has ever filmed, actually, because it's this one take action sequence where he's fighting a bunch of guys but you can see him getting more exhausted as the scene goes on yeah you can see like physically see that some of the punches aren't landing or that some of the stunts aren't doing so well and that's the point of the scene is that things aren't going so well for him and then they all cut it turns out he's playing himself he's playing john claude van damme some young hotshot who doesn't really care about him is shooting this uh the scene and it's about how he has to reconcile his on-screen presence as a young, unkillable action hero, mm-hmm. a decent person, with the fact that he's just a guy who has to go to the bank every day. Well, yeah. And of course, when he goes to the bank one day and an action movie scenario erupts around him and yeah. now he has to sort of face the fact that he might not be prepared for that sort yeah, of real there's thing a bank, in real life. There's a bank heist that turns into a hostage situation, mm-hmm. but one of their hostages is Jean-Claude Van Damme and he's torn between living up to his persona and just being a guy. Mm-hmm. There's a monologue Jean-Claude Van Damme has at the end of that, which mm-hmm. ends up like, which starts out really intimate and then like ends up like on this big crane shot. And everything. <laughs> it's good acting. It's, I mean, yeah, he's, he's being asked to play a variation on himself, but there's a lot of people who literally can't do that. He's realized that you watched something like Bloodsport, which came out in what, like 1988. It's like a late 80s film. Yeah. You can see that he's just sort of coasting on his his martial arts skills because he's not an actor. He is, but he's not. He's a performer. He's a performer. Like I, for example, Um, like at the Schmodown, I'm a performer. I can tell a joke. I can put on like airs. But when it comes to deep, soulful acting... That's not my instrument. I can't play that <laughs> instrument. That's not what I'm good at. Jean-Claude Van Damme realized at some point, more than any of his other action contemporaries, that if he's going to continue making movies, he needs to hone his instrument. Yeah. And he actually bothered to become a better actor. I think he studied. I think he really mm-hmm. sort of delved into it. And you look at his face, the way he lo- especially the way he looks in Jean-Claude Van Johnson. There's experience in his face. Well, he's been through a lot. He's, he's been through a lot. And when yeah. there are these sort of close-ups of Jean-Claude Van Damme looking at the world and seeing how unfairly it's treating him, you feel it with Van Damme. Mm-hmm. You kind of feel it with Schwarzenegger a little bit, but you know, Schwar- we had to wait until Schwarzenegger was in his 70s to get that. Yeah. I don't see that on Stallone's face so much. Stallone, Maybe in Stallone, Creed 2. No, Stallone's got it. I think that. Stallone's got it. So here's the deal with Jean-Claude Van Damme, and I'm going to get into a little bit into his personal life. Mm. Um, he's talked openly about the fact that he's bipolar, mm-hmm. which has an effect on him and hasn't had an effect on his life, and I think informs a lot of his later performances, and I think definitely performs a performance in Jean-Claude Van Johnson. Mm. Um, he's also, he also had a cocaine addiction, and he had to go yeah, to rehab yeah. for it, and that takes a toll. And you can see, like in his face, like his life, his body, like he's been through a lot, mm-hmm. and he's making the most of what he's got now, mm-hmm. which is not what he had back then. He was yeah, a, so, he was like a, a peak physical specimen mm-hmm. for a long time, and he's just not now. He's an older man who's done a lot. He's put his body through mm-hmm. the through the ringer. And now he's making the best of yeah. it. And I think the best of it that he has made uh-huh. is Jean-Claude Van Johnson. 
it's really brilliant because not only is it taking I, I really love this series. I'll just say it right out oh, of the right gate. Oh, um, right out the gate. This it, one's it, great. It, it ran on Amazon in 2017, and it only ran for six 30-minute episodes, so you can really breeze this through this yeah. thing in an Basically, afternoon. like, one really long yeah, movie. Well, yeah. uh, more, well, it's two, really, yeah. but we'll, we'll get to that. Um, yeah. Oh, you're right. It is kind of framed that way. Yeah, but, um, yeah, I really love this because it takes this idea of... Jean-Claude Van Damme's own perception of himself as kind of a fading action hero, Mm -hmm. but it also is really unbelievably self-aware about his place in the pop culture firmament. Mm -hmm. He's trying to get you to take him seriously as a person, but he also understands that Bloodsport and Universal Soldier and some of the movies he's starred in like Time Cop, which is the one that's name-checked most frequently in Jean-Claude yeah. Van Johnson, these aren't high art. These no. aren't great pieces of cinema. He, he made realized, schlock. Yeah, he, he realizes made that he and, made schlock. And Jean-Claude Van Johnson mm. is as much about Jean-Claude Van Damme as it is about the schlock mm. that Jean-Claude Van Damme is famous for and making. S- and somehow, it manages to balance those things really well. I think that there's this, there's this level of... There's this level of satire... That mm-hmm. I think becomes absolutely transcendent, where you're not just making fun of something, where you're finding you're using the, f- the you're using the artifice of the thing that you're the, satirizing uh-huh. in order to find the original heart of it, or or just to find some sort of deeper truth. Yeah, well, and I think know, that's what they do here. Not not necessarily the heart of the schlock he was in, but mm-hmm. using but the, the heart sh- of Jean Claude Van Damme. I think yeah, the heart of the heart of why we connected to those movies in the first place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that right there, I'm. Dead serious. This is an action comedy series called Jean-Claude Van Johnson. Mm. We're calling this sucker high art. <laughs> and I mean it. This, it's really, really thoughtful. It's really smart, well and laid was, out. It's funny as hell. And it's this weird source because this was created by one of the screenwriters of uh, of the Expendables, Expendables movie, uh. who, uh, if you look him up, was in a lot of legal trouble because... Because of some sort of writer's strike, he was getting credit for stuff he wasn't doing, mm-hmm. and he was just taking the credit. And so, yeah, it was like su- there was this big legal battle over the yeah. the credits on the Expendables movies. Yeah, his uh, name is David Callaham, and he's been working in the industry for a long time. His first credit was on the movie version of Doom, mm-hmm. uh, which sucked. I'm comfortable it's, saying it, that. It is a bad film. Uh, he worked on, he co-wrote the original screenplay for The Expendables. He worked on the 2014 version of Godzilla. Yes. Uh, he did it's, a prominent, he does, he's one of those blockbuster guys. I'm just going exactly. through it. He, he did a prominent yeah. remite, uh, rewrite of the first Ant-Man movie. Uh, he co-wrote or like came did, in did after the fact yeah, uh, for Zombieland Double Tap. Mm. And he is currently, his next three scripts are all huge blockbusters. He is writing or co-writing mm. Wonder Woman 1984, uh, the Marvel superhero movie Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, and the sequel to Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. So yeah, he's he's a, a a big Hollywood player in terms of like action, screen, movies, screen, action yeah. movie punch up and blockbuster punch up. Yeah. Um, uh, so you you wouldn't think that like uh, like this he's a deep well of creativity. <laughs> Um, you wouldn't think he'd be this insightful and yeah, witty. Like, did you ever see Incident at Loch Ness? Oh, I love Incident at Loch Ness. <laughs> that was okay. made by Zach Penn, who does pun- punch up on blockbusters. He does like X Men movies and, yeah. and Batman movies. And most, stuff. if you look at uh, most of the movies, Zach Penn is credited mm. as co-writing or writing. Mm. They're not good. <laughs> most of them aren't, and I think even so, Zach so, Penn would of, agree with some you. Some of them are. Yeah, Zach Penn is like, I'm just here to, to do a job. He makes the He's, movie, but he made a really, really, really funny mockumentary mm. about. Zach Penn producing playing himself playing yeah. himself 
producing a documentary about the Loch Ness Monster. The documentary within the fake movie was being directed by Werner Herzog. Who also who, plays himself. Who plays himself. <laughs> Over the course of the, of the documentary, mm. they're on a boat, they're in Loch Ness... And they're actually attacked by the real Loch Ness monster. <laughs> it's, it's such a weirdly brilliant movie. This movie um, is not talked about very often, mm-hmm. and it really should be. It's hilarious, yeah. and Werner Herzog is a god in that movie. <laughs> He's perfect in it. It's really good. The, the, there's one bit. It's like, and here's our narrator. Here, here's, she's a professional actress. We brought her in, and it's like, okay, she's going to narrate. And then because they're trying to sort of like up up the wow factor, like put yeah. a little more zazz in it, it's like, okay, here's going to do my my narration. And she whips off her coat. And she's like in a little t- like teeny bikini. Zach Penn. She's I, just going to like do it in a bikini just to add like some sex appeal. I actually appreciate Zach. I've interviewed mm. Zach Penn, and he, mm. he seems like a nice enough guy. But I appreciate Zach Penn framing himself as the villain in Incident at Loch Ness because he plays the guy who is he's the producer he's trying to sell the movie so he's the one initially before the Loch Ness monster attacks he was gonna fake it he's the jerk who's yeah trying to uh, trying to sell out he represents all the bullshit of Hollywood and Werner Herzog represents Uh, Werner Herzog yeah like the the, the purity of Werner Herzog it's it's really good It's, it's really, really good. good. And it's an apt comparison. I, I'm thinking that these, like, schlocky Hollywood punch-up guys probably do have a really important point of view. And I think it's coming out in something like Jean-Claude Van Johnson. Sure. Because th- the story of the series, like, the fictional story of the series is that Jean-Claude Van Damme, playing himself, is also, or at least was also at one point in his career, during the height of his action movie phase. Yeah. And they mentioned Time Cop a lot, so I'm guessing the mid-90s. Yeah. Uh, was also, while he was making these movies, a spy. And they used the productions that he was involved in as cover for Jean-Claude Van Damme Codename Jean-Claude Van Johnson. I never would have thought. Yeah, to to do James Bond stuff and infiltrate bad guys' lairs and take care of actual spies. So just so we're clear, his agent, played by... Oh, it's played by Felicia Rashad. Which is fun. <laughs> his agent's played by Felicia Rashad. Yeah. She's also his, like, his M, his James Bond, like, handler. Mm-hmm. And she would send him on all of his various movies. If the, the worse the movie is, probably the more serious the the deadly thing he has to do, because it's just <laughs> any, excuse, on it, yeah. any excuse to get him to Bulgaria, that kind of thing. Um, wherever he's needed... Boom, all of a sudden there's a movie being shot there. And he'll make the movie. But when he's not making the movie, he and his hairdresser, uh, who is played uh, by... Kate, I think Katie is the character's name. Um, no, no, Vanessa is the character's name. Yeah. The actress is played by Kat Foster. Yeah, Kat Foster, who's great on the show. Yeah. She's really, really great. Um, his And his hairdresser, they are going off on clandestine missions to do things like stop gun runners. I really wish... The one thing I kind of wish I'd gotten from the show, and that if it had gone on, maybe they would have gone there, but I would have liked to have known what some of the missions were during his other movies. Like, okay, Street Fighter was a cover, right? What were you doing while you were making Street Fighter? Like, you and Raul Julia were kicking ass, right? That was a big production. That's probably not mission-based. That was just Ah. his job. So, yeah, he had these two simultaneous careers. And I think this is a wonderfully uh, metaphysical way of analyzing his on-screen and his off-screen persona, mm-hmm. uh, where he's a hero on screen, and surely he's a hero off-screen, uh, yeah. doing similar things off-screen. And and the idea is, like, from a character perspective, is that Jean-Claude Van Damme, who was actually uh, not born Jean-Claude Van Damme, he was born uh, Jean-Claude Van Varenberg? Uh, Vin- Vintenberg? Something like that. Yeah. 
he is an actor. V- and Varenberg. Jean Claude Camille Francois von Varenberg. That's what is I thought. His Varenberg. Name. Yeah. Uh, he's an actor, and he flat out says it because he's insecure. Mm. And being told that on top of being an actor, being rich and famous and having people say they love you even if they don't, which is he learned the hard way way too late is emotionally empty, mm. um, he gets to actually be a hero. Mm. It's all for him. It's a whole series about how his pursuits, even if they yielded positive you know, results... We're, we're all, always all for, selfishly motivated. They're all for, yeah, some sort of validation that he never got. And yeah. the backstory they give him is he was raised in an orphanage and he remembers uh, from being a young uh, young boy living on an emu farm. That's that's <laughs> just a joke. It's like, oh, and I yeah. lived on an emu farm because an emu is a funny animal. They mine that for real drama. Yeah. Like, they actually go to the 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 orphanage where he was raised, the fake orphanage where he was raised yeah. in, in the course of the drama. And, and for the record, he was he was, he was was not an orphan. He's not an orphan. An orphan. Like, they, this they made this that part's part all made up. Yeah. yeah. So, but the, I think they mine that for real drama, and I think it's a good representation of the alienation that Jean-Claude Van Damme, the real person, feels. Yeah. Uh, all of these weird interplays between this, like, completely ridiculous fiction they mm-hmm. come up with it. And the fiction within the show... Jean-Claude Van Damme is feeling uh, a little bit fallow in his life, and he mm. wants to get back in the game, both acting and spying. Yeah, he's he's been functionally retired for, mm. I think they say, for like five years. Yeah, and uh, and there's a hilarious scene where he goes to Felicia Rashad, and he's like, I got all these scripts for you. You play the voice of the hedgehog. It's an action yeah. movie version of Ricky Ticky Tavi. You yeah. play one of the snakes. Yeah, exactly. It's like, <laughs> And every single one of them has Channing Tatum attached, which is just a cute a, little guy. Channing Tatum is attached. Uh, <laughs> And he's like, no, but I meant Van Johnson. And she put, puts, pushes a button on her desk and the, the windows slide shut. It's like, okay, we're going to talk serious now. And, <laughs> and you know, it's, it's kind of low budget. It's not like the walls turn around. or but uh, It's still pretty good. It's, it's, it's not, pretty it's, good. It's not a cheap show. No, it's... it's no, it's... They, they had some money. It's it, low budget, but it's not cheap. Yeah. And, um, and she, she says, okay, well, if you're back, you're back. And we have these, this spy mission for you where you have to find out what's going on with this drug running that, that somebody's been running these new narcotics and also it, your cover is you have to shoot an action film version of Tom and Huck you get to oh play you get to play this new like adult action hero version of Huckleberry Finn so yeah. and Tom now is now a hot lady who yeah, you're in Tom, love with and so sleeping with her, her, na- her name is still Tom Sawyer but yeah she's got like this bodice and she's really yeah. boobless pretty blonde woman and yeah and yeah, no. there's a whole bits about like how just like it's okay, Tom. You'll get another brush. Just save me from falling into a ravine. <laughs> ah. It's it's and it's totally absurd, and that's the joke. And of yeah. course, the the spy mission is also totally absurd uh, because you know there's some legit bad guys, but the tone is really kind of silly. There's a bit where mm. uh, Jean Claude Van Damme or Jean Claude Van Johnson has to prove himself to a lord of the underworld by engaging in a drift race, and he doesn't even know what that is. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, that sequence is amazing. It's amazing, and it, and so he says, awesome. "Oh, but but he's so confident. He's like, you know, if I shut my eyes, if oh, I yeah. put on a blindfold, all of my other heightened senses will be heightened, and I'll do better at drift racing." Do you know what drift racing is? No, but I can do it. So this whole sequence, and we're skipping ahead a bit, but this whole sequence is fucking phenomenal because he's trying to get in. It's basically Fast and the Furious scene. He's trying to get in with the bad guys. He's going to race them. So John Claude Van Johnson idi- idiotically mm. blindfolds himself to do the race. His opponent, who's like this big drug dealer, sees him do that and like, oh, this guy's nuts. Let's do this. And he, he blindfolds himself. And then when they do the whole like, mm. go! Mm. 
the bad guy immediately crashes his car yeah. and dies in a huge explosion. And everyone's running around and all of his like Fuck. second commands are panicking. And one of them like gets despondent and kills himself like right there. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jean-Claude Van Damme, with his eyes blindfolded, actually does the race perfectly oh, in this no beautiful one moment. Yeah. No one saw it! Which is perfect. A, a, another metaphor for his career, maybe. Like I he was doing so. a lot of his best work when he had already moved to like straight to video stuff. Yeah, and he was no one becoming noticed. a better actor. Yeah. Nobody really cared. Uh, the first episode, the big, the big thing he has to do is mm. when he's not shooting Tom and Huck, uh, he has to infiltrate the uh, like the drug warehouse and put a tracker on some of the drugs. Mm. But he screws up in a couple of ways. First off, he runs into a guy. Who looks exactly like Jean Claude Van Damme, and and who is played by Jean Claude Van Damme? Yeah, and his name is Philip. Philip, and Philip, who talks like this? No, he's getting, he's getting more. He sounds like uh, a little bit like like Double. Yeah, or, or, I I I have this last pants. You know, he just says yeah. weird things. But there's this weird bit where like he sees this other Jean Claude Van Damme, and Jean Claude Van Damme thinks very quickly, mm. and he says, "I am you from the future." No, you're not, because you're touching me right now. And according to Time Cop, <laughs> like matter cannot occupy like space. And to which Jean-Claude Van Damme says, but in Looper. <laughs> in Looper, they touch all the time. You're telling me that Time Cop is a better movie than Looper? Time Cop is my favorite movie. And Jean-Claude Van Damme's like, shit. <laughs> and Jean-Claude Van Damme understands that Time Cop is not a good movie. Have you seen Time Cop? Oh, Time Cop, I'll say, Time Cop is very well respected amongst Jean-Claude Van Damme fans. Time Cop also is not very good. No, it's not. I, Ron Silver is fun in it. Ron, the concept Ron Silver, is solid. Yeah. Ron Silver plays like two different villains like, the, from two different timelines. The and concept the, is simple. John Van Damme keeps going back in time because time traveling people keep messing up the timeline and yeah. he has to fix it. The idea is great. The execution is actually kind of crap because you're doing John Glenn Van Damme traveling through time and 90% of the movie is him going back a couple of years yeah, that's yeah. not why we bought. I no, want to see him round us like in a, a gladiatorial arena. I want to see him fight a velociraptor yeah. or something. Come on, what the fuck? What it, it a opens missed opportunity! Reboot yeah. that. It opens in the Civil War. You'd think it'd be like Civil War yeah. era, like Time Cop. Reboot but, you know. Time Cop. Bring back Jean Claude Van Damme. He'd do it. He'd do it. He'd probably play a slightly different role. But like, yeah, yeah. like do it. Like it would be a hit. It's such a good idea, and you can do so much more with it now for the same amount of money. Like, yeah, okay, I'll grant you Time Cop wasn't a huge production. Getting the Gladiator Arena might have been difficult, but it would have been worth it for a couple of set pieces, (laughs) at least. Like, I at least want to see, or like, him the and the co- bad guy they- jumping through time over and over again as mm. they, like, fight in different parts well, of the, yeah, the timeline. One, one punch on the Great Wall of China. Yeah. That's what they did in friggin' Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, really? He's, he's got, like, little teleportation rings. Like, you can throw them in front of him and jump through a portal and be just anywhere. Yeah. And he ends up, yeah, there's, like, a race on the Great Wall of China. And there's Do a it. race up the pyramids. And, Great, yeah, that's like, what you want. Just jumping around all over the when world. When you see, yeah. so, this is, uh, this, and I still haven't seen Sonic the yeah. Hedgehog, but I imagine if you went to see a Sonic the Hedgehog movie, that's you want to see him run. You, see, yeah. you want to see him run all over shit. Like, yeah. that's the fantasy. So, that's what I want from Time Cop. So, but the gag with Time Cop is that two people from different timelines cannot touch each other hmm. or else it's, it'll it's, create like a singularity it, and they'll like, like envelop inside the, each other. And because it's essentially the same matter occupying the same, sp- like two, two versions of the same matter occupying the same space. And which actually wouldn't make any sense because black hole, every cell like, in your body is constantly dying and being reborn. Hmm. And after a couple of years, you wouldn't be the same matter, hmm. but time cop doesn't make a lot of sense. In any case, <laughs> 
he 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 runs with this, and but then the idea, he, the idea is uh, yeah. Jean Claude Van Damme doesn't like the movie Time Cop. He saw the movie Looper and thought that was a better film. Oh no 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 no! No, you're getting this wrong because he actually does like the movie Time Cop, mm. but someone else told him Looper was the better film. So he's trying to adapt to the modern times by saying, "Ah, but Looper." But it mm. turns out this guy, who's a huge Jean Claude Van Damme fan, actually thinks Time Cop is the better film. Yeah, and and Jean Claude Van Damme just totally misread the scene. And he the the joke with Philip is that even though he's played by Jean Claude Van Damme, he has never really acknowledged that he looks like Jean-Claude Van Damme, it even never though he's a big to him. fan of, of his work. So Jean-Claude Van Damme uh, does what he has to do, but he was an idiot and he brought a script along with him so he could run lines in the middle of the mission. Because well, he was and blowing he, his scenes on Tom and Huck. And if you've ever been on a movie production, they stamp each script with your name, so we keep track of all the scripts and you mm-hmm. know if anyone like it's pirated the script, something like you that, know, you know where it came leak from. A page online or something. So he left the script with his name on it, and of course all the security guards find it, and he has to kill all the security guards. This will be important later in one of the funniest fucking scenes in the whole series, and that's saying something. <laughs> <laughs> While Jean-Claude Van Johnson is doing all of this, he finds a big computer chip and thinks it's big, important. obvious action movie MacGuffin-looking MacGuffin thing. Yeah. And he takes it with him and he thinks it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next episode uh, is the, the drift race one where he's going to mm-hmm. try to uh, ingratiate himself. Um, and that's good. Mm-hmm. That's a funny episode. It is a funny episode. Oh, um, we, we, we also did. need to mention sort of his his contact uh, character, um, who is played by Cat Foster. Uh, no, Moises Arias. Oh yeah, Moises uh, Arias. Luis is his character's name. Um, yeah, who is also theoretically like his cover is that he's his makeup guy, mm. um, but actually he's got this like really horrifying backstory that we only see in these like terrifying, traumatizing mm. flashes. The fact that he's a makeup artist is significant. Yeah, it really it matters. Out. <laughs> and actually, there's a really good reveal later where you find yeah. out he's actually been like covered in tattoos this whole like, time, like a bunch of facial tattoos, like really threatening, yeah. like a snake coiled all around mm. his face. It's mm. so fucking funny. Cat um, Foster again plays Vanessa, his hairstylist. They were in a relationship years ago, and Jungle Van Dam ghosted her. And and they they acknowledge that they're age mismatched, which I appreciate. I also appreciate yeah. that as well. And so there's a lot of not even romantic tension, honestly. There's just a lot of bitterness mm. between them, and, and that's, that's a big that's a big deal. That everything's really kind of campy and silly and over the top. And I think what's really drawing me in is is that sadness, is that bitterness. Yeah, there is a lot of weight on John Claude Van Damme's shoulders. Just in every scene he's in, even when he's doing the silly stuff, you can see that he's a little weary. And it's just really wonderful acting. I understand that Jean-Claude Van Damme, like, that's only, like, a part of his limited range as a performer, but he's he has a lot of soulfulness that I think we haven't seen in so, sort of his earlier films, and that mm-hmm. I think a lot of people haven't come to appreciate about Jean-Claude Van Damme just as an actor. I think he's a pretty good actor. Mm-hmm. Um, again, again, you're right. And Limited the, range. And that, and that, he that, can only kind of play versions of himself, but, that, but he's good at that. That he's thinking, or that somebody's thinking to wield that kind of natural sadness that he has in a reflection of his own life gives this thing a lot of weird depth that you're not expecting. Yeah. It's great. While while he's shooting ridiculous things like the action movie version of Huckleberry Finn. Now, while in this episode, uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme is doing his old drift racing thing, mm-hmm. uh, Vanessa uh, discovers that the computer chip that Jean-Claude Van Damme thought mm-hmm. was important, and which he said couldn't possibly be important, because look at this computer chip, it's huge! 
<laughs> this, we haven't used this kind of technology in years. This is larger than my cell phone. There's no way this is important. Turns out it's super important, and she spends an entire evening mm. like hooking it up and trying to find what it does. Yeah. And what it does, and this is such a great reveal, because she turns it on, there's this big power surge, and all of a sudden, like the carpet in her hotel room is wet. And you're like, what does that mean? What is he, she bust a pipe or something? And then she it's, goes to get Jean-Claude Van Damme. This, this absurd thing, yeah. She goes to get Jean-Claude Van Damme and says, I figured out what that chip does. And it's like, I gotta show you. So she opens the door to her bedroom in the hotel room. Yeah. There's a storm inside of it. Like a weather <laughs> storm. She has it's, created a thunderstorm in her hotel room. The thing controls the weather. Mm-hmm. And they look at each other, and this is right before the, the episode ends on a cliffhanger. There's only one reason why someone would create a machine that controls the weather. To take over yes. the world. Super villainy. And I'm like, you could fix climate change with that. Like, <laughs> could, this is actually like the single most... Imp- desert or something. This is yeah. the single most important piece of technology that has probably been invented... Mm. Help me out here, since what? It it wasn't until I uh, read Roger Ebert's review of the first X-Men film that he pointed out this, like, horrendous fallacy in the X-Men world. Yeah. Where he's like, the most popular character, who is it? Oh, he's Wolverine. And what what can he do? He has knives in his hands. He's got switchblade knuckles. Yeah. Okay. Oh, and also he can heal. Yeah, but after he heals, he still just has switchblade knuckles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's kind of cool. She can control the weather. Yeah. Like that's, She's basically God. Yeah, she can do like just about anything. Why are we focusing on this guy with the switchblade knuckles? That's a great when you question. Could have, when you have God who could like literally save the world and irrigate deserts and like stop natural disasters like, and summon like, electricity and power cities. Reverse yeah. tornadoes and shit. Like what the <laughs> fuck? She's so the, the she's great, like, ridiculously powerful and we're focusing on this guy with knives in his fingers? The, the best example of overlooking uh-huh. just how important and game-changing a character like Storm would be is actually in uh, X-Men Dark Phoenix because there's a bit where they're at a funeral Uh for a character and Storm is there and it's raining and she's got an umbrella. (laughs) Aurora! Just stop the rain! I know it's like dramatic and shit. Maybe she summoned the rain to like make the the, the mood sadder at the funeral. (laughs) It's actually a sunny day. It's like, no, this isn't depressing enough. The next episode of Jean-Claude Van Johnson begins with a great cold open. It's at a bar and a guy just sits next to another guy at a bar, and he talks about how shitty his day was. Like, mm. yeah, I dropped my sandwich, and I had to work a 12-hour shift with nothing to eat. And, and then, then My wife's really mad at me. Yeah, and then on the way out, can you believe it? I broke my shoelace. And he's like, have you ever had a day like that? And then Philip turns mm. his head and is like, well, actually, uh, <laughs> the other day I met an older version of myself who told me I don't like Time Cop anymore, and then he killed all my friends. And the guy's just Which like, he did because it was a spy mission. <laughs> yeah. Van Johnson had to actually like murder a bunch of evil dudes. And to I like get the, the spy mission. And done. I like the I like they brought out that like those guys. Yeah, they were working for villains. They had friends. People There's will a, mourn yeah. their passing. Like this, he's a, Philip is a tragic figure. I feel bad for Philip. Oh, and, and he's manipulated. And he's mocked. Yeah. And yeah. because they because they because what happens is the guy who run the drugs they have questions for this Philip guy, and it turns out. That they recognize that he looks like Jean Claude Van Damme, so they, they kind of forcefully induct him to start doing their dirty work. Yeah, and they, they make him up to like yeah. they change his hair and everything, so now he looks like Jean Claude Van Damme. But, and they need him to infiltrate yeah. the movie set so that he can steal the chip back from Jean Claude Van Damme from his trailer. Yeah. And 
to Jean-Claude Van Damme's credit as an actor, you can always tell who you're looking at. Yeah, he's good. He's, he's got he a, like, good. He doesn't just sort of do... He does the silly voice. The voice helps, silly obviously. Voice, but, but, yeah. but yeah, he like has a way of like his body language is really kind of subtle and yeah. it's, it's not just like he's hunched over a little bit he's, he's actually yeah he really he, kind of he's a act, meek person he, he acts the meekness even when he's not speaking or yeah. like when it's focused on it's really a good subtle acting bit of acting uh and what happens is uh philip infiltrates the the sounds not the they're they're shooting on location and they're, they're shooting this big action sequence on a riverboat which is just stupid and uh yeah, so the the director of this movie, who I haven't really talked about before, is such a prick. He, he's, he's just he's such like a fucking asshole. Classical bearded white Hollywood douchebag yeah. Clear, dude. Clearly, yeah, he got out of the art institute and shot a bunch of hit commercials, and yeah. so now he's seen as some kind of wunderkind. But he's actually just doing a lot of cocaine and being a dick. Yeah. And um, which they, can be misinterpreted for artistic vision at one point. Oh, yo, oh, oh, yeah. oh, oh, people will forgive men a lot but, of bullshit. But the, the infiltration actually leads to one of my favorite action sequences in any of the shows we've ever covered. Oh, it's good. Because it, it's not that it's like necessarily gigantic stellar action. It's mm-hmm. the concept behind it. So there are actually some bad guys on the set of this action movie mm-hmm. who, who are like on, on the, the drug dealer's side. And legitimately are trying to kill and Jean-Claude And legitimately trying... Meanwhile, they're also stuntmen. They break onto the set, all of them, the stuntmen and the bad guys. Jean-Claude Van Damme knows who the bad guys are and he also knows who the stuntmen are. The stuntmen think they're performing a stunt scene, so they get into a fight with Jean-Claude Van Damme while the cameras are running. Meanwhile, the drug dealers are actually trying to murder him and he has to actually punch the bad guys but keep the stunt guys safe yeah and they're all trying to fight him at the same time and the director that is freaking brilliant and the director's <laughs> filming the whole fucking thing yeah. like he, he sees them like I don't know what they're doing but let's film it it looks amazing mm-hmm. and they use footage from it later on in like this fake trailer that they did for this terrible fucking Tom and Huck movie <laughs> oh my god uh, but one, one guy actually dies and they get it on camera and it just looks so impressive that just... they put it in the cut of the movie anyway and <laughs> You'd think someone would have noticed afterwards that, that there's the body actually like still a corpse on set. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, this weird sort of overlap between reality and fiction, which is what this whole show is about, yeah. comes together in this scene in this really wonderful way. And it's a great action sequence. Yeah. Like Jean Van Damme's really good in it. Like, like you, you can there's tell been a lot like of jokes a, about how Jean Van Damme can't do action anymore, and you're starting to say to yourself. Okay, so we're not going to have a lot of action in this series, which is fine if you're you're telling us right away that he's not up for it anymore. Mm-hmm. Then he kicks a lot of ass. He's good in this scene. Like he's, he's good. Yeah, he's not he's not up to his old like blood sport level, but he's good. Like he knows how to make it look yeah, good. Uh, Jean Claude Van Damme. He's not even. He's not sixty yet. He's fifty nine. He's in his late fifties, and yeah. he was like maybe fifty seven when he was making this. Yeah. And, you know, that, that's no spring chicken, especially when, well, I mean, it is in life, but, you know, you, you can live to be twice that, but... Uh, well, he's pretty uncommon to live to be twice that. Okay, not twice that, <laughs> but he's he's over the hill, but he's not yeah. he's not dead, 57. Yeah, he's not at the bottom of the hill. He's, he's only in his late 50s, that's pretty, yeah. pretty young uh, yeah. in terms of, you know, a lifespan, but in terms of an action star, that's kind of aged out. You don't see a lot of 57-year-old action stars, and when you do, it's embarrassing Steven Seagal stuff. Well! Um, Stallone still does a few things here and there. Like here and there, you see the more point, of it because we aren't getting like a bunch of new "quote unquote" action so stars. So a lot of the older action stars are trying to continue doing the same game because and, they're the only ones doing it. Like the the, you've, the you've only seen like seen the Expendables movies and how embarrassing those things are. Often, yes. Yeah. The first like, one, the first one's fine. 
And the third one, I, the first one's fine. The third one, they bring in a lot of young people yeah, yeah, to do and, the cool stuff. And, and the young people doing cool stuff is cool. Yeah, Ronda Rousey's great Ron, in that Ron, movie. Ronda Rousey's in that movie. Yeah. She's, that's the Ronda Rousey movie. The whole point, of course, is the stunt casting. We're supposed to be seeing yeah. Bruce Willis and Arnold Schwarzenegger and Kelsey Grammer for some reason. Like all these, like. Action stars from the eighties and like and nineties and just sort of together doing all of their action shtick, but it's embarrassing because you can tell they weren't on the set at the same time no, necessarily. Never. And the it's second must... the second one they went out of their way to make put them on set at the same time, but it's still not that impressive. No. And it's like Bruce Willis gets to say, wait here, I'll be back. It's like, oh, you're a cowboy. And Bru- and Schwarzenegger gets to say, yippee ki motherfucker. And it's, <laughs> it's the stupidest shit. Yeah. I mean, Chuck Norris shows up in the second one. It's like, they call him the lone wolf. Yeah, yeah. I know. And, he, and they actually like make Chuck Norris jokes. It's like, yeah. okay, the, the, I understand the joke. And yeah. those are excellent joke delivery systems right. where they're going to do the stunt casting. They're bad movies. Oh, they're, yeah, yeah. I think... One and three are watchably yeah. fun action movies. That's what I'll say. My Here's, point is, compared to a lot of people in the circle, like, Ch- how old was Chuck Norris when he made The Expendables 2? Oh, like, 85? Yeah, he's, he's He's an old yeah, guy. He, he, he uh, basically just walks. Like, a whole bunch of people explode, and then he walks into the frame. That's kind of most of what he has Jean-Claude Van Damme, like, throws a knife into the air and kicks it into a guy's oh, chest. So fucking cool. He yeah, actually, he's the bad guy in the second one. He's, he's great yeah. in the second one. And, and Jean-Claude Van Damme actually still has some chops, is my point. Yeah. He's 50, 57 years old when he's making this, but he still has enough like physicality to pull off an action scene within reason. I still maintain hmm. that they missed the boat entirely with what they did with Expendables 3. Now, I know the idea of Expendables 3 is you bring it in young... New generation. New generation. I get that. Wait. Hmm. Because there's a movie you missed. Because here's the thing about Jean-Claude Van Damme, and we haven't really talked about it in detail, even though it's come up on the show. Hmm. For whatever reason, and I would love to know how this became a thing, Hmm. Jean-Claude Van Damme has acted opposite Jean-Claude Van Damme way more than any actor but except for like maybe Haley Mills like like that's it he did this a series of films in which he played twins and clones and time different versions of himself like he's played multiple versions of a character or multiple people who look like a character well, and Schwarzenegger's done that too with the time travel with the Determinator oh, and the end of the days six, day, six days six days yeah right six, six days where he, he plays a clone of himself he did it, yeah. he did it a couple of times yeah Jean-Claude Van Damme, like, that was the thing he did. Uh-huh. That he, he was twice the Van Damage. That was the, <laughs> that was the selling point, is uh-huh. you'd get extra Van Dams like in every other Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. Jean-Claude Van Johnson plays with that a lot. We get multiple, there's still another Van Damme we haven't run into yet, and it's mm. one of my favorite things ever. Um, but uh, I think that what they should have done for The Expendables 3 was after they killed Jean-Claude Van Damme, mm. His brother comes back for revenge in Expendables 3. Mm. His, his identical twin brother. So he's back, and he brings back the identical twins of every other action star that they killed. So, like, Steve, Stone Cold Steve Johnson, Steve Austin, Austin is there. Steve Johnson. Everyone's Johnson now. Stone Cold Arnold. Steve Austin, he died Arnold. in the first one, brings back his identical twin brother for revenge. So, Gary Daniels. Double Impact. I couldn't back. remember. It was called yeah. Double Impact. Yeah. But Gary Daniels bring back his twin brother for revenge. Tony Jaw bring back his twin brother for revenge. But the twist? They're all twin brothers. Now, yeah. Well, of course they're all twin brothers. Yeah. But the twist at the mm. end of The Expendables 3, after they fought off all of these twins, is they kill Jean-Claude Van Damme. Okay. And but then the door opens. Mm. 
and there's another Jean-Claude Van Damme, he was triplets. Oh, there you go. This whole time. That's or, why, you, that's why, like, if the you notice, they're, he's like, the only one who's not a twin. Yeah, he's the only one who's not a twin, because he's a triplet. And that's the gag, is that if you pay attention, you'll realize there's, like, continuity errors, and there's no way John claude Van could be in these two places at the same time, and you think it's just a shitty movie, but actually, they were twins were the whole two, time. Oh, gosh. It's brilliant. Why didn't you do that? <laughs> Stupid. Anyway. You understand. That's why it's John, that's why Expendables 3, for triplets. But it's, it's, it's a good idea. They, they should have recognized that a Expendables lot of people... Expendables Triple X yeah. or whatever. I don't know what they do. Triple X. <laughs> well, I guess that would be a crossover, yeah, but... I'm sure they did that, too, but yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, so the next episode of Jean-Claude Van Johnson, uh, uh, Moises Arias' character, he's been kidnapped. Mm. And Jean-Claude and uh, Vanessa have to go rescue him. And in the prologue, we see the rescue attempt. But Vanessa gets shot and killed. And then there's like this big flash, and then we see the events leading up to that action sequence. Hmm. There's something really clever going on here, and I love it. <laughs> so we see the events leading up to the action sequence, and we see Jean Van Damme going to this party. Turns out the guy who was producing the movie has been the bad guy all along. He's hmm. got this big mansion, he's having this big party for everyone in the film. Jean Claude Van Damme shows up, and all of a sudden, he's weirdly suave. He's weirdly confident, sophisticated. Spy mode. Yeah. There's this bit where he talks to this guy who got fired from the movie because of a misunderstanding. And Jean Van Damme says something, says sage-like words of wisdom to him. It's like, hey, I have a message for you. Mm. Do the part in the musical. Always listen to your publicity agent. Mm. And don't forget to thank your dad. And I guess, (laughs) what? And then Jean Van Damme, like, knows where this, like, canister of, like, flammable substance is just gonna be and so he like throws explosives into it and then they get to this big action sequence where they're gonna save Moises Arias and it's the bit where he's gonna like fight where Vanessa's gonna die and then we saw in the first segment that she asked for a knife and Jean Van Damme said I'll take care of everything mm-hmm. and that's why she died and this one he throws her the knife and that's when you realize He's Jean-Claude Van Damme from the future, and he's here to fix what went wrong the first time. He got a message from that guy to his previous self to like to give to him in the past. That's why he knows everything that's going on. That's why all of a sudden his wristwatch is weird and super. And did you notice that his wristwatch has all of the um, all of the symbols from the movie from the Predators wristwatch? Oh, I didn't. Oh, that's a cute little reference. It's a cute little reference because people don't know this, but Jean Claude well, Van Damme. People was, know this now. Well, yeah. it's, it's still trivia, but Jean Claude mm. Van Damme was originally cast as the Predator. As he was the gonna, monster. He yeah. was going to be the guy in the Predator suit, and they fired him from the production for whatever reason. But, like, so that's a nice little shout out mm. as well. I, and I missed that. I didn't see that. That was a cute gag. So, yeah, he's. He's a time cop. <laughs> he's, a, he's a literal time cop. Well, actually, what he says is, you're a time cop. And he's like, actually, I'm a time policeman. There are no time cops. <laughs> <laughs> Just weirdly. And so, it, yeah, we're, we're sort of tipping into the absurd. Now, this isn't the last episode, however. It could have been. It could have been. There's still two episodes to go after it's revealed that yeah. there's a time travel wrinkle. And apparently something real bad's happening outside. I don't know if you can hear the Oh, my the gosh. The, the time cops are coming to get us <laughs> Oh, outside. no. We're on to uh, them. But yeah, he, he, okay he ends up there. saving the Moises Arias character by, uh, there's like this saw-style uh, weight platform that if he gets off of it, or if like it changes by one pound, it'll explode. Yeah. So he ends up like taking his place, and then because he's from the future and he wants to clean up the timeline, sacrificing himself. Well, no, it's actually an accident, and it's funny, because mm-hmm. what happens is the main bad guy shows up, and he's got a henchman that he's developed mm-hmm. into a super henchman with marble fists. 
Oh, right. Yeah. The, the stone fist dude. Yeah. So, like, Jungle Van Damme has to fight that guy. But there's a point where in order to save everybody, he doesn't have a shot. Vanessa is, like, going to get killed. Mm. So what he does is the other Jean-Claude Van Damme who's on, like, the weight plate thing, he has a shot. So he throws the gun to the other Jean-Claude Van Damme thinking he's really smart. And Jean-Claude Van Damme shoots him. Mm. But that added too much weight to the plate, and the future Jean-Claude Van Damme explodes. That's right. Okay, so it's yeah. actually didn't. He, he probably needed to sacrifice himself to save the timeline anyway. Mm. But at the same time, that was not intentional. And Jean-Claude Van Damme just <laughs> killed himself. Uh, Vanessa, over the course of this fight, kills somebody. And even though she's been in the industry for a while, she hasn't actually killed like t- anyone. Taken a life. Yeah, yeah. And there's this bit of a backstory where we find out she wanted to be more of a secret agent, but she couldn't, so she had to take mm. more of a support role. But like, so this actually like traumatizes her a bit like she starts seeing the guy he she killed over and over again but it seems like everything's basically wrapped up right uh more or less but but here's what we need to do there's still uh you know who was who was really in charge so there there is this sort of pullback as to who the actual villain was but i think the function and i love the way this is structured because you'd think that would be the climax and they do this big silly action thing and we've had the comments. Jean-Claude Van Damme's life as a silly action star. It, we're, we're, he's aware of how silly it is, but he can still do... If looked at in a certain way, that's still real heroism. Rather than just leave it there, he wants to really delve into that idea. So we actually fast forward a little bit. Like a month. And he's back in Brussels. There, I, This isn't real there, really there, but there's a statue of Jean-Claude Van Damme doing the splits. That's really there. It's really there? There's oh, yeah. actually a Jean-Claude Van Damme statue yeah, in Brussels? Yeah, he's, he's very famous in Brussels. Well, he, he, he is there's from a Brussels. Of, but there's yeah. a point of pride to that. Yeah, okay. he's, he's kind of a big but deal. He has now essentially become completely destitute. He did this heroic thing, but that's kind of it for him. He didn't get like a lot of money for what he did. Mm-hmm. The, the movie, the movie, the movie fought, tanked because yeah, the, it didn't get finished because everyone it's a, died. It's a silly movie anyway. And yeah. so he's he's now moved back into the abandoned orphanage where he grew up. And he's taken to just sort of wandering the streets during the day, polishing his statue and trying to stay out of the way. His mm-hmm. his life is not happy. Yeah. Uh, uh, so the point is, even if he does get to be a fake hero in the movies, that doesn't do anything for his life. He mm-hmm. still has the same problems. And the only thing he has left to do, essentially, is pass the torch. Mm-hmm. And I admire that. That's a good that's And a good these, these last two episodes are more or less about how he gets to essentially wrap up, like put a button on his career mm-hmm. and pass it on to the young women who are coming up to take his place. And people of color, because Moises Arias gets to take yeah, a bigger yeah. role as well. So uh, so this episode, this is kind of a dark midnight of the soul kind of bit. After Everything, the climax. After the climax, it's over. Like, yeah. you, what's left? Hmm. Turns out there's actually quite a bit. So he, Jungle Van Damme is like, he achieved his goals, but he does... he. Got nothing out of it. He didn't get the girl he loved. He didn't get the career he wanted. He didn't get the celebrity he wanted. He didn't get the love he wanted. Yeah. He got nothing. Uh-huh. Moises Arias, uh, he's completely jaded and goes back to just doing makeup and hairstyling. Mm. And Vanessa is off on her own uh-huh. trying to wrap up the loose ends from the mission. And what she discovers is that, okay, we stopped the whole weather machine taking over the world guy. But the drugs are still out there, and someone else is running them. So we have not cracked the case. We have not done what we needed to do. 
So she goes to Jean-Claude Van Damme and says, we need to tie up all the loose ends. Yeah. There's a really nice soulful bit like at his orphanage where he reveals that his whole life is a lie and that he wasn't actually this cool kid who grew up on an emu farm. Mm. Like he was actually miserable. Some, something and sad. he made up. And yeah, it's very Dickensian. Yeah, and it works. It's good storytelling. Mm. And um, so, but what, so they decide to go back uh, to their agency, which of course is the hub, the secret, you know, the, the front mm. Yeah. For all of these, and they're also a real agency, um, and like they show, showbiz agency. Yeah. And what they do is they they go back inside, and that's when they find out that Felicia Rashad actually never sent them on a mission to stop drug runners. She sent them on a mission to take over the drug empire for the agency. Mm. They were all just tools of evil Hollywood. And what a wonderful metaphor! Nice, right? Because this plays into uh, something that I feel personally about action pictures, Mm -hmm. how action films, uh, ostensibly they're about heroism, Mm -hmm. but they're also about committing acts of violence. They're about cathartic violence. They're really tapping into something very dark in the human soul that they don't tend to acknowledge. There's a certain fascistic element that's been discussed a lot in the types of badass cinema that Mm -hmm. Jean-Claude Van Damme or Schwarzenegger mentioned yourself in Commando, where basically might makes right. We Mm -hmm. can... Have the we we have the power we have the physical strength if we have the physical strength if we had the physical strength to mm-hmm. just sort of take out the world's bad guys then we would yeah. but doesn't you know, that make you also morally compromised that, that, that makes you yes. just as bad as the bad guys doesn't it yeah, yeah. and I, I feel like the celebration of a certain kind of violence is usually seen as something very heroic whereas the exact same violence done by a different person doesn't really matter what their motivation is is pilloried yeah uh, and I think that. In restaging what they did in Jean-Claude Van Johnson, from the perspective of a real action movie star who is often depicted as a violent hero, is a a very deliberate critical analysis of the way action movies operate and the way we tend to depict heroism in these kinds of movies. I'm going to go you one step further because mm. I think that's 100% true. Mm. But beyond that, it's also <laughs> an indictment of how actual Hollywood works uh-huh. and how people manipulate people who want to be celebrities, people who want to be actors or famous singers, Mm. people who, frankly, a lot of people seek out celebrity to fill some sort of void in themselves because they think it's what they want. Yeah. You know, because they think that that's going to lead to some sort of validation. Mm. Yes, a lot of people do it just for the artistic thrill of it, but the desire to be a movie star comes with certain very specific temptations. Mm. And those temptations are exploited by people within the industry and people Mm. are worked to the bone. People are worked to the point where in order to keep working at the level or to the extent or to keep putting on the facade of what they need to do, that people turn to substance abuse. This show, this plot point. Mm. Yeah. On one level, it's just fun and funny, but the show Felicia Rashad is now a drug dealer. And she's, and and she's also playing it as though she's like this Hannibal Lecter, like supervillain who can manipulate Jean-Claude Van Damme's emotions so easily Mm. by playing to his vanity. It's a salient comment about the way we treat people who want to be actors. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're there to be manipulated. You know, there's this um um there's a there's a term that like a lot of technical people, it's a derogatory term, but that mm-hmm. people have used for actors, meat puppets. Uh uh-huh. or, or just or just your mugs. Yeah, they're just yeah. they're there. You're, you're, you're the mugs. You're the faces. All you yeah. do is you just stand in front of the camera and pretend to be someone else for a couple of minutes. Mm. Well, we do all of this heavy lifting. We do all the work. We do all the marketing. We do all the technical craft. Mm. 
And that's actually incredibly insulting and derogatory to people who do acting. Acting is actually a tough job. Anyone yeah. can do it badly. Doing it well is hard. Yeah. Doing it even moderately well is hard. <laughs> I have a lot of respect for actors. That's bullshit. However, that attitude exists. Mm. And this show kind of explodes it. And I think that's really great. So they infiltrate their agency. They find out the truth behind everything. And now they have to go off the grid, which leads to one of the other great jokes. <laughs> Where they say, where can we go that they won't find us? I'll go somewhere where nobody has looked for me in 20 years. And they go to a blockbuster video. <laughs> Isn't that cute? And their blockbuster video, it's all like burned out, like post-apocalyptic <laughs> the, inside. The tapes are still there. The tapes are yeah. still there and they're dusty and she's, and, she's, and she's younger than him. So she's looking at the VHS cassettes and going, wow. <laughs> and so they have like torches set up inside the blockbuster video as he's training her for the final battle. How, and they're using it, standees oh of like people in blockbuster outfits, like encouraging you to get a job at blockbuster. Mm-hmm. And he's putting like be kind rewind stickers on like the kill points. Like take this knife and stab those points over and over again. How is funny. How is this like so like simultaneously absurd and poignant? How did yeah. we do that? Like it's so great. Like it, it's it's not as rich as something like Tuca and Birdie, but it's no. still, it's playing similar extremes. Oh my god! No, yeah, like, it's in, so in, in, that, in that it's like this weird slapstick universe, and yet it's trying to get it at a lot of bigger points that I think it's actually achieving. One hundred percent achieving, like mm. absolutely throughout the way. So it all ends yeah. in this big uh, action sequence at Felicia Rashad's house. Mm. And of course, she lives in like a drug dealer mansion. Of course, yeah. and uh, so uh, Jean Claude Van Damme like confronts her, and she tries to appeal to his vanity, appeal to his greed, and he actually he's past that, and he mm. no longer needs validation from her or his fans. He just wants to do the right thing. So he wants to be the hero in real life that he is in the movies. There's a great, great, <laughs> great, one hundred percent, totally earned moment mm. when they confront Felicia Rashad, and I love it, where she says, and she makes a good point. Yeah, you can kill me. And they're about to. Like him and Vanessa are like walking up to her all threatening like. You can kill me, but that's not going to stop anything. There's an entire network that is involved in distributing all of these drugs. Someone else will just take over. Mm. We have poppy fields all over the world that are like being harvested right now. There's nothing you can do about that. To which Vanessa says, that would be true if we didn't have a machine that controls the weather. And then she presses a <laughs> button and like storm clouds like hover over all the poppy, all the poppy fields. fields. <laughs> That uh, is so good because it's, it's been good two episodes back, yeah. <laughs> and we totally forgot about the weather machine. <laughs> but it's there. It was in play. It's yeah, playing yeah, totally yeah. fair. It all boils down to Felicia Rashad is going to escape in the helicopter she has underneath her tennis court, like in the movie X-Men. Because uh, of course she has it. And like the tennis but, court is sliding apart in order mm, to like reveal the helicopter. But it's moving very slow. And there's, damn it, we need to find some way. There must be some way. To keep the two sliding parts of the tennis court from sliding too far away from each other so the helicopter can take off. To which Jean-Claude Van Damme says, I was bored for this moment. I can can do the splits. (laughs) He he hooks his foot around each part of the tennis court and and it's sliding to to keep keep them together. And you hear it crunch. You know know that this is the end of Jean-Claude Van Damme. He will either die or Mm. never be the same again. And that's true. And while he is just creating a distraction, Vanessa saves the day. Hmm. And she fights off the other, yeah, like... She, he, Jean-Claude Van Damme doesn't do any of the fighting in the yeah. climax. It's all Vanessa. Yep. She fights off this other young ingenue who's, like, working with Felicia Rashad. Who the fights woman, with size, and it's pretty cool. Turns out the woman who is playing uh, Tom Sawyer is on Felicia Rashad's side, and she's yeah. part of the crime network. And, yeah. 
Uh, something I appreciate, she's fighting with size. Like, yeah. I, I learned what those were from the Ninja Turtles, just like many people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, when, when you're... When you're an arrogant little kid and you're looking into ninja weapons, you understand that size are not blades. You don't, you don't cut with them. No, they're pokey they're, weapons. They're, they're metal pokey weapons. Yeah, you kind of like punch it into people's skulls or rib cages, and mm-hmm. you break bones. And they use them correctly in the film, they, in, the, in the show. In this, yeah. Even in the Ninja Turtles, they treat them like knives. I know. They're not knives. No, they're not. Yeah, and this one, they finally just like stab it into a person's abdomen and withdraw it, and they don't puncture the skin. Yeah. Yay! It's great. It's really, really great action sequence. My 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 arrogant nine year old self is validated. Um, you don't so use size that way. Vanessa saves the day. Felicia Rashad has been defeated. Uh-huh. The drug empire has been destroyed. Moises Arias has killed literally everyone else. Like yeah, this really deadly he, fun he, sequence. Turns out, yeah, he's like this horrendously like scarred, tattooed. He's basically mer- snake kill, eyes killer guy. He's basically he's snake eyes. Let, like he's badass. Yeah. And so they save the day. Jean Van Damme's legs have both been ripped, like from there. Like, they've never been like ripped off his body, but they've been ripped mm. out of their sockets. Yeah. So his legs are ruined he can't forever. Stand up anymore. So when so in the the climax in the coda mm. of the show we see that Jonathan Van Damme is in a wheelchair he'll probably never walk again mm. he's there with Vanessa and Moises Harris whose character's name I forget mm. and L- they're uh, just L- Luis. and they're sort of wrapping it up and there's a good bit which seems like a joke but they actually make it kind of thematically nice uh-huh. is we see he's actually started the Jean-Claude Van Damme Memorial Orphanage Mm-hmm. And like, oh, that's nice. He he put his money to good use, and he did something really awesome. To which, at which point, Vanessa says, "You know, memorial means you're dead, right?" Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, that's funny. He's not smart. And then he realized, and I was like, no, Jean Claude Van Damme is dead. I'm going back to my original name because I don't need heirs anymore. Yeah. So yeah. he's Jean Claude Van Varenberg. Mm-hmm. That's nice. That's nice. That's well done. And then just when everything seems like it's just pretty solid, good ending, that's when. Vanessa the and Moises por- Arias. The time portal opens up right in front of him. And, and everyone's a cyborg Vanessa and has and white Moises, hair. And-, and, and Felicia Rashad is there, but now she's like nine years old. And is like, you need to come with us and join us in the great time war. And then John Dad just and, looks at the camera and the credits Cut to roll. black. And, that, and you know that like little, in, little absurd button. And you know, and that's a good ending anyway, but you know that in season two, they would fix his legs with cybernetic technology and it would be fine. Well, here's the thing. I we've been pouring praise all over this thing because it's actually way wittier than you'd think from the surface. Way wittier. The 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 absurd jokes are dumb, but they work in a weird sort of way, mm-hmm. uh, and all of the all of the sort of like the the tragic commentary plays perfectly well and perfectly mm-hmm. straight. By the way, I apologize. Yeah. Someone's using a, a leaf blower yeah. outside our window. Well, hopefully, it's time, hopefully, it's not too loud. The time war is raging outside. <laughs> um, I don't. I think the joke has been made. They've made the comment. Mm-hmm. A second season would just be repeating that. I don't think there's like a further comment you can go into because they comment on uh, both the fictional version, like the silly fictional version of Jean-Claude Van Damme, mm-hmm. the uh, weird commentary he has on his own absurd place in the pop culture firmament and mm-hmm. how he's seen as a bit of a joke, but also that he's this kind of tragic figure who realizes that he's kind of fading and that he's struggled a lot. I think Jean-Claude Van Damme has definitely improved as an actor over the years and he really pulls out a lot of Per, small moments of personal tragedy that give this a lot of heart. Yep. He's commented on the fact that he's passing it on to more capable, younger women and, and minority people who are uh, like uh, n- non-white actors who are finally going to sort of take charge of this new legacy of action heroism and real-life heroism that he's kind of leaving behind and he's going back because he needs to take off all the years. P- 
period. We don't need anything more. It's all been said. I disagree. A second season would not necessarily shore any of those things up. No, I disagree. I actually think you're right that it won't shore anything up. These points have been made. Yeah. I don't think they're the only points that can be made with this. Okay. That's why I think that I actually think this this was canceled too soon. Because right. I see you're making the point that this wasn't canceled too soon because it's perfect as is. Well, that, that we've made the point and we can stop here. It's and fine. we've made that argument before many, many times that mm. sometimes something wasn't canceled too soon, not because it's bad, but because there's really no other statement to be made. It's good on its own. Yeah, yeah. I would actually argue that there is a lot more to be mined here. And mm. I think the setup of the time war uh-huh. is actually where we're going. And I think okay. what we can do with the advent of time travel, mm. which, which can, was already a thing in the show, which is already yeah. a thing in the show, but now we're really going to lean into it. There's so much more that we can explore of the past of the entertainment industry. Okay, so you think we can go, go, back, go, to go the, back to like the late '80s when yeah. Jean Claude Van Damme was rising, and yeah. Like in, and like in how like Schwarzenegger and Stallone like, were involved in that maybe maybe only by name but like you can talk about can, like, the different era of badass cinema so and what it meant Je- during the Cold yeah. War. Jean Claude Van Damme could see that you know the excess is still very alluring, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of problems that he could correct about what was going on in the industry at the time. I think so, and yeah. I think you can you can you can talk about a lot of that. You can go back to other generations as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, it'd be kind of fun to see. Wouldn't it be cool? If part of the time war was going back to the earlier days of action cinema, and you get to see Jean-Claude Van Damme fighting Errol Flynn, like that would be fun. (laughs) You get some, you cast Errol Flynn, obviously, but like that would be fun. So you got that going on as well, and you can also talk about how a lot of the action cinema, uh, maybe not so much Jean-Claude Van Damme's, but a lot of the action cinema that era, a lot of it was in many respects kind of futurist. It was something like Terminator or Demolition Man, and they were talking about what will come in the future and how. The action star decisions that we make today, the big sweeping choices that we make about morality and war and violence and how those have this ripple effect into the future, we can play with that and we can actually look at what are the actual consequences of all of these action movies and all of these action sequences that were really happening behind Mm -hmm. them further down the line. Let's actually take a long view of the genre rather than the immediate view of let's just filter it through Jean-Claude Van Damme's personal experience. I think there, and and given how cleverly this show was laid out and how it went beyond even what the very good movie JCVD did, which is similar in premise in terms of we're just going to play with Jean-Claude Van Damme's persona versus who he actually is and explore how in many respects in real life, he's not the most positive triumphant figure. I don't, put it past them that they could make that clever and smart and meaningful. Mm. I think they just have to make different points. Mm. And I think they have a whole world that is completely opened up to them. Okay. And I want to you know see what? it. You, you've, you've convinced me. Uh, I think I think you're right. I think if they're going to use the time travel conceit to continue <clears throat> to comment on the function of action cinema... Yeah, just different. That, you can do different eras. A different, yeah, I think that that's a clever use of the premise. Yeah. I think it's all there. I think all the possibilities are in play. Okay. It's just a matter of would they use them. And based they, on they, what they did in the first season, yeah. Yeah, I, I like your idea. If <laughs> if they did that, mm-hmm. then yes, this was canceled too soon. I think I think one of the tricks they would have to do, and I think because this is all very cleverly written, a lot of people wrote it besides David Callahan. Mm. I think you need to bring back director Peter Atencio. Okay. Yeah. Peter Atencio. Does a lot of TV. In fact, we recently reviewed some of his work on Whiskey Cavalier. He did several episodes of that mm-hmm. show. 
similar kind of like witty spy premise, but nowhere near as ingeniously conceived. Yeah. But here's what I know Peter Atencio from. Mm. He directed Keanu. He did. Keanu is one of the funniest comedies of the 2010s. <laughs> Keanu is genius. And of course, he directed a lot of episodes of Key and Peele. I'm really surprised Keanu is not like a, a celebrated cult comedy. I think, I honestly think that the genius and complete 180 reversal of Get Out mm. has made people forget that Jordan Peele was a comedian. And we just don't talk about, like, we reference Key and Peele sketches sometimes because mm. some of them are memes and a lot of them are really brilliant. Yeah. But have, have you seen the Gremlins 2 sketch? So good. The like, Gremlins 2 sketch is brilliant. <laughs> right, so brilliant like, comedy. Yeah, the, the sketch, by the way, is a bunch of like stern executives around a table and they're talking about, okay, we're going to make Gremlins 2 and they're talking very calmly and here's what we want to do and we're going to repeat a lot of what we did because we know it's a successful formula. And then uh, Jordan Peele comes in with like, oh, oh, he looks like um, the guy from Mannequin. Yeah. Oh yeah, he looks uh, like Hollywood. He looks like Hollywood from yeah. Mannequin. And <laughs> he charges in with his like his wraparound shades and his high flat top. He's like, okay, you're making Gremlins too. Okay, I got where you're gonna put in Gremlins too. We're gonna go around the table and just name a Gremlin. Here. Everybody gets a different Gremlin in this movie. It's like, what are you talking about? No, it's just Gremlins. Right, no, right. everybody gets a different Gremlin. Whatever is on the top of your head. What? Go, go. It's a, a girl Gremlin. Go, go, I like what you're doing in quality. Okay, girl gremlin. It's in the movie. How about you? Uh, bat gremlin. Yeah, bat. Okay, like big bat wings. Okay, good. It's in the movie. All right. What about you? What about you? Fruit? You're crazy, and I love it. We're gonna have a gremlin made out of fruit. <laughs> it's like just uh, just say a random word in a gremlin. No, I don't like this. No, this is all in the movie. All right. There's an electro gremlin. Yeah, an electro gremlin's awesome. And then he leaves after coming up with all these stupid ass gremlins, and producer just like. None of that's going to be in the movie. That's stupid. And then there's just this like, just this wall of text that just says all of all those gremlins. <laughs> Can you imagine like if you're a little kid, like you're only passingly familiar with gremlins, you haven't necessarily seen those movies. Yeah. How ridiculous that would sound, and how amazing it would be to discover that Gremlins Two exists. It's worth <laughs> it's worth noting that Gremlins Two is one of those movies where it's it's actually not unlike John Cleve Van Johnson, where oh. you're just like. How did you get this made? <laughs> this is so funny and so weird so and so inspired. Like, you didn't just settle for weird and mm. then just let it go. Like, you did the work mm. to make the weird smart and good and, like, meaningful. Like, Gremlins doesn't really have a big emotional hook. Like, Gremlins no, 2 no, doesn't. No, Gremlins it, 1 does. Gremlins 2 doesn't. Gr- Gremlins is kind of a send-up of, like, 50s monster invades a small town kind of movie. Well, yeah. it's that meets Capra, but, like, yeah, mm. Gremlins 2, it's it's mostly just a acidic satire, but uh-huh. the satire is pointed. Yeah. I don't know. I, I want to be in the room when they came up with Gremlins 2, and I want to be in the room when they came up with Jean-Claude Van Johnson, because Jean-Claude Van Johnson, 100% canceled too soon. We have seen some really good series this year, and mm. I didn't think anything was going to be at a like, like we're approaching like in the end of April we do our yearly awards mm. for cancel too soon the best cancel too soon shows right, of the year right. I didn't think we were going to encounter anything that would be competition for two gun burning <laughs> like I didn't I thought I thought that was going to be like because two gun birdie is one of like the two best shows we've ever done mm. period I would I would say it's between that and sweet vicious yeah and we've done yeah. a lot of good shows that I really like as well but those are like the upper echelon John Van Johnson I'm like um, shit, it might be a top three now, because <laughs> this is a brilliant it's, show. It's un- weirdly smart for how strange it is. Yeah. The jokes are are bad, but they seem to be orchestrated to be that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, like, 
the shots of of Jean Claude Van Damme in sort of the, the Huckleberry Finn outfit is supposed to read silly, but it's not supposed to be funny. Like you're not necessarily supposed to laugh at that. It's supposed That's to be kind of sad. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and it's I think, sad that we're doing. And this. I think it re- it weirdly reads as both. Yeah, it, like it reads as sad they that he's doing the, this weird kind of action. It, Tom Tom and Hog. There is a hyper specific tone that this mm. show needed to strike, and it needed to strike it at literally every moment, mm. and it did. Holy crap! Jonathan Johnson still available on Amazon Prime. It's free with subscription. Again, it's like six, six thirty-minute episodes. episodes. It's yeah. it's the equivalent of like, it's like what? It's like three hours. It's yeah. really <laughs> it's a long movie, mm. basically. Like, just see it. It's so damn good. Mm. Uh, next week on Cancel Too Soon, we got a very special guest. <laughs> We've got the illuminous, illustrious, and other ill words. Video Drew. <laughs> Video Drew is joining us. Yeah, Video Drew from the Schmodown. She is a a really just wonderful person, really smart. And we Mm. get to talk about uh, maybe the most acclaimed failed TV show ever. It was a t- it started its life as a TV pilot uh, when it was rejected by the TV studios. Uh, the director reworked some new footage into it and released it as a feature film. That feature film was nominated for Academy Awards. Yep. And that feature film is Mulholland Drive. Now, before you complain that that doesn't quite play by our rules, okay, you're right, but so what? I think uh, it does. It, it does. I didn't, it didn't continue. It just got re-edited. Because okay. our rule is it can't have been continued past one season. Well, first off, Mulan Drive didn't get continued past one season. It only, they only did a pilot. Mm. So what they did was, and we've done this before, there's been a lot of failed pilots mm. that have been turned into TV movies. Yeah. Because that's we got to do something with it. Mm. Mulholland Drive is just a modern version of that. Where we did a failed pilot, it doesn't really have an ending. We shot an ending. Yeah. yeah. That's it. So they ramped it they, up, they but they didn't... Yeah, they didn't just they, shoot an ending. They actually yeah. shot like, a good deal of new footage. Yeah, they didn't yeah. continue it. Mm. So I think it is 100% fair game. But it okay. is it is an oddity in that it was theatrically released, in that it is critically acclaimed, and it's something we've been wanting to do for a while, and I'm really, really glad that Video mm. Drew gets to join us. So join us next week on Cancel Too Soon. This is an episode that we banked already, so, was, so if there's any like new developments in the Schmodown or something like that, we're not going to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um... But, uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun, and I can't wait to share it with you because she is a national treasure. Uh, so thank you, everybody, for listening to Cancel Too Soon. Uh, very special thank you to every one of our Patreon subscribers, patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network. You get to vote for future episodes. We're about to put out the next Cancel Too Soon poll. Uh, it's probably going to be available by the time this episode goes live. Um, so we'll have uh, – actually, one second. Let me – I have it written down. <laughs> here, here are the shows that you can vote for. That we will review within the next month if you vote for them over at the Patreon page. And as uh, usual, these are all, all I think I think these are all contributions from listeners. Uh, the majority of I think, I think one of them uh, one of them was a gift from my wife. Okay, uh, but uh, they're all sci-fi shows, mm-hmm. uh, and we've got Flash Forward, which I believe is about flashing forward. Uh, we've got Flash Gordon. Try not to confuse the two. Specifically, the Sci-Fi Channel version from about ten years ago. Uh, we've got Logan's Run, the television series from the 1970s, and we've got the animated series based on the Wing Commander video games, <laughs> a.k.a. Wing Commander. Uh, so those are all available for you to Which came first, the animated series or the feature film? Because I've seen the movie of Wing oh, Commander. I actually don't know. 
Because the movie was like late, like 97 around there. I think the, if memory serves, the movie came out slightly after like the popularity had waned. So I think. Okay. Yes, Sergio, you have very strong opinions. (laughs) Uh, I believe they're mostly about lunch, which is, by the way, it's lunchtime. So we got to wrap this up. But yeah, so we got that. We'll talk. If you vote for that, we'll talk about the whole timeline of Wing Commander and everything. So if you don't vote for that, we'll talk about something else and we'll get to Wing Commander eventually. Um, So thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, If you can't afford to be part of our Patreon, we totally get it. Uh, If you can leave us a review wherever you find us, that would be great. Apple Podcasts, for example. Every review, every star rating helps other people find the show. Um, be sure to follow us on Twitter. The show is at Critic Acclaim. I am at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. And uh, I guess that's a wrap. We'll see you next season.